I feel like doing it this way makes it like less formal. Yeah. And it's I love just it. a lot of the way you're doing it. Like, I love it the way you're doing it. You know, I, I didn't want it to be like a whole thing. Yeah, no, this is this is perfect. This is the way Yeah, this is a great format. This is a moment in wine and hip hop, brought to you by Crew Love, blending wine and hip hop at the highest level. Wine and hip hop, wine and music. Tell me about it. Check this out. Oh yeah, you'll be the life of the party. Wine and hip hop really mirrors the the conversations that we have in my office about wine and music. Yeah, what's good, Josh? Your man, Jermaine Showtime Stone, a.k.a. The Wolf of Wine, a.k.a. The Zara Vibes, a.k.a. Young Thanos. I'm just out here collecting Infinity Stones. Y'all already know, man, I'm only going to bring you the best. It's quality over quantity on this side. So I have a very, very amazing episode for you. This episode was actually recorded live at the Charleston Food and Wine Festival you know, I'm sure if y'all follow us on the gram, y'all saw when we was there turning up. Shout out to my man's Femi and Miles, the Graft Wine Shop. Um, we hosted a live podcast there, which was also a Vino Versus. And, you know, uh, the Vino Versus that we did was um, similar in essence to what we do with Pastor Ox and what we've done with our guests with Pastor Ox, where um, we did this wine pairing mashup, you know. Uh, Miles and Femi, they created a playlist and paired wines with that. And I jumped in there with a couple of my pairings. So during our podcast episode, we went back and forth with our conversations and then our wine pairings. So it's very similar to what we do for Pass the Aux. If you haven't been to one of those events, make sure you pull up National Prosecco Week. You already know it's going down. This episode is awesome because it gives you an idea of what these events are like. But it was also fun to record something live. Now, with our guests, Miles and Femi, I have been fans of these guys on social media forever. You know, Femi's a legend in the industry um, and his connections to wine and music um, just really connected with me, man. So he was a brother I always wanted to chop it up with. And, you know, I really want to go and kick it at the shop. It's so Charleston. Uh, it's so warm and inviting and left an amazing impression on me. Uh, and I think that that shines through in the episode, you know. So I like this episode because you get to experience what it's like to be a part of the show. And that is what we really want to do. Y'all already know that's why we do these events. I want to come connect with y'all. I want this to be an interactive thing. So that said... Enjoy this episode with my brothers, Femi and Miles, owners of Graph Wine Shop in Charleston. It was at the Charleston Food and Wine Festival. Shout out to my girl, Chai McCoy, who threw that whole thing together. Amazing, amazing woman. And we got an episode coming with her and some friends real soon. Now, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? It's your man, Jermaine Showtime Stone, a.k.a. The Wolf of Wine, a.k.a. The Czar Vibes, a.k.a. Young Thanos. I'm just out here collecting Infinity Stones. Right now, I am live from the Charleston Food and Wine Festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We live. We in the building. So we are in front of an amazing studio audience. Everybody looks beautiful. So sorry y'all not able to see them in podcast world. But we here. Now, if I'm in Charleston, the very first place that I gotta go is Graph Wine Shop. So I'm here with these yeah. two brothers, Miles and Femi. Y'all know them. Hello, hey. hello, hello. <laughs> Thanks. Um, 
you know, one, thank you for hosting me, guys. Like, I mean, these two are incredible. You know, I came into town. I was on a boat like four hours later. I don't know how that happened, but you know, this is how they roll, man. So, you know, thank you guys for your hospitality. Um, first thing I gotta ask, man, how did you two meet? Like, how did this all come together? Uh, man, uh, <clears throat> I'm Femi, by the way. I didn't get to introduce myself earlier, but yeah, let's see everybody. Uh, Miles and I, were, we met, we were in the trenches together, working in uh, restaurants. We were busboys at the Charleston Grill. That was about, that was in 2008. Yeah. yeah, I trained Femi. He will never admit to that. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, yeah, I was 19. Femi was 21, and um, all the money we made at night was spent immediately after the bar. But back, we kind of became back then when you could get cash the <laughs> yeah. next day when yeah. you worked at restaurants. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, we we clicked immediately, and honestly, a lot of it was through music. Uh, I don't think either of us had any desire to go into wine. Um, I think Femi was doing music production and like he was, he was uh, bringing a lot of really talented people into yeah. town. Back and when I was a promoter, actually, yeah. So yeah. I used to, I used to, you know, super frustrated with what was coming through town, and uh, so I started, you know, I was like, I'm just gonna do it myself. So I started bringing artists and talent that I thought deserved to be in Charleston and were capable of playing here. And uh, I remember when I was booking acts, Miles was like one of the only people I trusted in terms of like. Do you like this person? Who should I be listening to? And so that was really kind of like um, like one of our first kind of like ways of almost kind of working to, uh, professionally together outside of the restaurant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is actually very interesting because y'all already know we had the Vino Versus. So it's about connecting wine with music. We all created some, some dope music and wine pairings. Um, a question that I ask every guest is usually um, who, what rapper do you feel most connects with you? Um, and I ask that because I have a wine crowd and I have a hip hop crowd. So if you know about that artist, you'll at least know more about this individual. So that said, we're gonna go with, uh, you've already been drinking the Cremant de Jura selected um, by Femi. So can you talk a little bit about your selection and then I'm gonna jump into one of the songs from this amazing playlist that okay. these gentlemen put together. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll tell you about You've got two in front of you. He just mentioned the Cremant de Jura. Um, if you've uh, never really drank any of the wines from the Jura, it's one of the just the most amazing um, uh, regions, not only to, to drink, but to study. Um, it's a sort of like old bucolic region in sort of northeastern France. It kind of also um, really kind of mirrors the um, kind of the famous uh, Cote d'Or, the, the famous slope of uh, what you see in kind of Burgundy. also kind of have similar soils to a certain degree. And, the wines there, I think, to me, are, are really just uh, in, in incredible to kind of see and um, very old school sometimes. And it's just, they're very nice wines. And uh, uh, Stefan Tissot is a biodynamic grower in the Jura. And uh, this is his, uh, uh, his, his Cremant de Jura, so his sparkling wine of the region. Uh, there are a few different kind of grapes involved. A lot of them, they're kind of indigenous to the Jura. There's some Trousseau, there's um, um, Poussard, a little Pinot Noir. Um, but uh, I just love this, it's incredibly refreshing. Um, incredible with food. We're big on acid with wine. We like to see wines that are sort of alive, wines that have structure. And uh, this wine is very alive. Uh, you can kind of just tell by the texture. It's bright. It's got lots of acid. It's got lots of fruit. Um, to me, it's just the perfect way to kind of get your, your palate going. It's a good, you know, fire starter, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and, and we also got some bubbles here. So these are both Femi's picks. Yeah. So by understanding these wines and the music that we're about to play, <laughs> For sure. you're going to get to know this man intimately. Absolutely. All right? Yeah. <laughs> so, absolutely. so tell us about your second wine. Yeah, absolutely. So the second one, this is actually proper, you know, proper champagne. We can be kind of uh, bougie for a minute and talk about, you know, uh, champagne for a second. Um, so... Uh, kind of unique. I just uh, came back from uh, a really kind of a dream uh, opportunity to go visit Champagne with um, a couple of um, um, trio, real experts in the region. One of them was Peter Liam, who to me is kind of arguably uh, the the most uh, the the top expert in Champagne, and, and uh, it was amazing to kind of go visit. Uh, um, some of the most esteemed growers in Champagne and some houses as well, and be able to taste um, with a man as brilliant as Peter. So that was really incredible. And so I was able to kind of really uh, focus on Champagne, and I found it to be just an exhilarating experience. Uh, Champagne truly is one of the most dynamic regions. Uh, there's so much style. There's so much intent. Um, there's so much labor that's involved. Um, to me, you could focus on, you could spend years focusing on nothing else but Champagne. Um, so this is a, a grower that a few uh, growers have kind of told me about. His name is John Mark Selec. Um, he's doing everything biodynamically. He took over his family's domain in 2008. Very young, I think in his early 30s. Um, and uh, I think he's one of the most talented growers here. He's in an area called uh, um, in Pierre, which is in an area called the, the Coteur Sud d'Epernay, which is, uh, if you kind of look at a map of Champagne at the top, they have the Montagne de Rance. And if you kind of go a little bit further south and east, you'll be in this kind of area here. Uh, and uh, so they don't really kind of have the typical kind of uh, uh, chalk soils that Champagne is uh, kind of famous for. There's chalk, but it's sort of in the deeper layers of the soil, a little bit more clay. You kind of see a little bit more clay in the top soils. Um, and uh, so here you kind of see an eclectic group of varieties here. So you see Chardonnay, you see Pinot Noir, um, uh, Pinot Meunier, uh, actually more than Pinot Noir here. And so this blend kind of reflects that. It kind of reflects the region, I think, and is really indicative of that. And this to me is a very expressive Champagne. It's just really pretty, pretty creamy. It's very complex. There's a spiciness I really love to it. Um, both of these side by side to me, I think, are just, you know, chef's kiss. It's brilliant. So enjoy. Dope. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm already digging <laughs> this. So <Yeah. laughs> now, introducing Femi's pairing, he actually went with Milky Cereal by LL Cool J. So after the show, y'all can get, y'all can ask him why yeah. he connects with LL so much. Yeah. So we gonna play some music, <laughs> chill, vibe, enjoy the wine. Yeah. We gonna get back to the show in about five minutes. On the wall, who's the baddest female of them all? It was Frosted Flakes, she loved to bowl. And although her skin was white, she had a lot of soul. Rich female, very debonair, driving a rolls with rollers in her hair. We was hanging out, pumping the stereo. She took me to a club, I think the name was Cheerios. She walked like she was jumping a hurdle. I was happy as a kid to just some mutant ninja turtles. I got walked over. Okay, everybody, thank you um, for rocking with us. During the intermission, I, I hope that you enjoyed the first wines and, and the first songs that we played. You know, definitely, definitely was feeling that, so thank you. Um, no, now I want to get into some stuff. So, Miles, tell yes, me, like, how did you end up getting into wine? Like, did you grow up with wine? Like, how, how did that start? Like, No. Um, my dad drank Rolling Rock and Coors <laughs> Light. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Don't get this twisted. I don't want y'all to think we just do events. These events are for you guys, our podcast listeners. I want to see y'all in person. So I'm giving you our original fan base, the people that made us who we are. We're giving you 10% off at these Pastor Ox events. All you have to do is type 
podlove. That's P-O-D-L-U-V, all caps. You enter that, you got 10% off at the next Pass the Ox event. Don't meet me there, beat me there. But my, my mom was a caterer in Charleston. Um, so I grew up being forced into the kitchen to help her all the time. And I fell in love with food. And my dad's an attorney. And I realized really young that I didn't want to do that. Um, so I worked for my mom growing up and knew that I wanted to work in hospitality of some sort. Um, my sister and my mother started like a biscuit company, Callie's Charleston Biscuits. is um, That's my mom and my sister. But I also knew I didn't want to do that because my sister's a crazy person. Um, I love her to death. Um, but yeah, I think the, uh, you know, not to get too like political, I think that back of house employees like are some of the most like overworked, underpaid, underthanked people in the industry. And I realized that early on. Y'all clap for that. It's, it's live, remember, y'all can clap for that, it's live. Um, <laughs> I see George looking, he like, got to get the snap, now nah, we can clap. So I kind of knew that I didn't want to do that. And, but I wanted to work with food and wine seemed like a great segue. And um, I actually went off to college to uh, Cornell to go to their hospitality school. And I dropped out immediately because Ithaca was <laughs> very expensive. Ithaca is very cold. And my parents were like, all right, you can come home, but you have to get a job in a restaurant to make sure that you want to keep doing this. And I was like, okay. The only place that would hire me was Charleston Grill, where I met Femi a month later, all from there. Um, but yeah, after that, I went to culinary school in Napa. It's the wine program at CIA. Worked a few harvests in Oregon and Australia. Lived in New York City for a while, worked for Danny Meyer. Was itching to get back to the South. Realized that there was no way I could work in wine down here because there was no, there was no industry. There was nothing to do. Um, and then Femi and I had lunch one day and we were both complaining about it. And we were both like, he's, he was gonna move to Boulder. I was gonna move back to Oregon. and. My dad was like, what are you doing? Like, why don't you both do something here? He's almost like smacked you in the head and was like, we were like, let's give it a shot. Um, we had no idea what we were doing. We still don't. But <laughs> the reception has been amazing. And, and to see what has changed in the wine industry in Charleston is like, it's insane to me. Um, where we were five years ago and where we are now is, it's insane. Um, I don't know if anyone's been coming here that long. But like, if you know, five years ago, there was one wine shop downtown. That was it. And now there's like five. It's just, ins it's the growth and what we're able to get, what we have access to is unlike a lot of other markets I've ever seen. So it's that's, fun. That's very interesting. Like, so how would you overall describe the culture and vibe of the Charleston wine scene? I love it. I mean, Charleston, like, it's a southern town. Like, there's not much to do but eat and drink, which I love. <laughs> and but the food is amazing. The food's amazing. And like, and I think that... We kind of had this like more casual, hospitable, like, you know, it seems cliche to say that we're like making it less formal, but like at the same time, that's just, I feel like that's what we do down here. And um, wine tastes good, it makes you feel good, it goes well with food, like it just makes sense. And that's the mantra. <laughs> yeah. Like, like beer was a big thing, cocktails were a big thing, and wine was never there. And then now wine is getting there, but I love people in Charleston because they're pretty educated about food and wine, which is awesome, because like even my friends, you know, when Femi and I were planning this whole place, we were like, how can I get my one friend who doesn't drink wine to come hang out here? <laughs> and it was like, all right, well, let's just build it out like I would our living room, and like, Absolutely. it was like, 
drink this. Like, just don't think about it. Just drink it. <laughs> yeah. And then a couple glasses later, they're having a great time, and everyone's dancing, and it's like, you know. So that was, it's been awesome to see it kind of unfold. And with the pandemic and everyone kind of moving, and, and we've had a lot of people relocate to Charleston, which is awesome because, again, those people are coming from New York and L.A. and Chicago, and those people are like, how'd you get a case of this? And you're like, because no one else buys it, and we get to sell it in our <laughs> store. So it's, it's fun like that. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, like we're just getting access every year. It's more and more and more and more, and um, it's things that are fought over in bigger markets. So it's 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 cool. It's it feels kind of like cheating, but uh, <laughs> it's great. It's dope, man. I, that's a very interesting perspective. I didn't think about that. I, I know some people fighting for them wines. <laughs> um, speaking of which, we have some wines that you selected, and we also got some music that you selected. So, can we talk about your selections and? why they're important to you? Yeah, uh, mine are the first two, by the way. Um, the white is, my selections don't make any sense. They're just wines that I really like right now. Um, <laughs> Can Verduras, uh, has anyone ever been to Mallorca? Few, yeah, it's amazing, right? It's one of the coolest places I've ever been in my life. Um, the Balearic Islands right south of Spain, it's like these giant mountains shoot out of the ocean and the, the landscape's insane and it's super harsh. And um, it, if anyone doesn't know the history, it's been like, the Germans, Germanic states owned it at one point, the Phoenicians owned it, the Romans owned it, like North Africa, and everyone's kind of like owned it. And it's a super multicultural, like, um, but being that part of Europe, they have a lot of indigenous grapes that uh, you don't see outside of the island because they get like 28 million people a year visiting there because it's a destination and they drink all the wine that's there. You never really see any get out, but you're starting to see some of these smaller producers kind of push their wines out, and it's cool because they're usually an incredible value and they're usually things that you don't have very often. Um, this is just like northeast of Palma, which is like the main city in Mallorca, and the grape is Mall. It's like Pensa Blanca. It's crazy high winds off the coast of North Africa, these giant bush vines that are all like at least 70, 75 years old. Um, if everyone's tasted, I think this wine is just, if you look outside and you taste this wine, this is like what I think of as being springtime. It looks like water almost. It's about as drinkable as wine gets, like super flinty, like kind of green, grassy, like, I don't know. It's just really refreshing to me. And this producer, he only makes about 10,000 bottles of wine. Um, but his whole em emphasis is on kind of bringing things back to the more heirloom grapes of that area. Like a lot of stuff's getting ripped up and replanted with what's more profitable. And he's like, no, don't do this. Um, these wines are beautiful. And I think that if we can showcase them, like it's really cool. Dope, man. And then Fela has always been Femi and one of my favorite. Like, I think if anybody's into wine, you've probably had Fela before. Aaron Jordan is one of the most talented winemakers in California. He kind of helped put Turley on the map. If anyone's had Turley's Infidel, like probably one of the most famous wines coming out of Napa. And Fela, he started in the late 90s, um, focusing on like cool climate, Sonoma Coast, um, which wasn't really super popular back then. It was all like Russian River, big kind of like, like riper, like chewier Pinots. Um, and this was all about finesse, and I think these wines show an incredible amount of finesse. Because if you look at some other Pinots from the Sonoma Coast, they can be really expensive. I mean, property out there is insane, but his, they bought a long time ago, and he's managed to keep his prices reasonable. And um, These wines are both cool, because I'd say, like, they're both zero intervention on, you know, native yeast fermentations, no fining, no filtering. Like, all things considered, these are, it's buzzwordy, but, like, natural wines. But no one will think of these wines as natural wines, but... I think these wines are really pretty, and you can still make wine like that. It's really pretty. 
little chill on it because it's Charleston. It's about to get really hot. I drink everything cold. <laughs> but yeah, it's classic and then something that's maybe a little bit out there, but not weird in any way. Um, but two wines that I love. Dope, man. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, see? My man paid attention, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. You know, that said, we're going to get into a couple of your pairings, which, I mean, I love. It's interesting. Um, okay, so let me interrupt you. My, you know, my dad, at one point in his life, before he went to law school, was had a beer down here, and he was following the Almond Brothers around, and, you know, he was literally hitchhiking across the country to go see Jimi Hendrix and the Almond Brothers. Look, I didn't grow up listening to, like, hip-hop. It came to me in like the early 2000s, which is one of the worst ages in hip-hops and also I think some of the best. <laughs> we were just talking um, about that. <laughs> but yeah, so there's some stuff that I have always liked. Um, yeah, I was, it was one of those kids when I was like 16 who had a little subwoofer in his car and everyone probably hated me, but <laughs> this was a song that I would always play and... Uh, mission me too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like this wine. It's like a little bit unusual, but it's cool and... There's nothing, it's just delicious. You know what's wild? So on the show, I usually like either pair a personality in hip hop with the people that I'm speaking with. And this group is actually the group that I paired with these guys. So this is Mr. Me Too by the Clips. I'm Pusher right? T, by the way. You Pusher? Dallas? <laughs> I'm the one from Virginia, though. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know we back, right? Enjoy. I'm doing deals like the majors. Ice cream sneakers, I signed my first skater. So you could pay three and buy yourself some babesters. Bulletproof on the t shirts because they hate us. Dude like Snoop say, step your game up. Double duck a boat, nigga, Mediterranean up. D class, ash your cuts, tuck your chain up. Liberace fingers, niggas hit Lorraine up. Just last week I was out in Aspen. Me and Puff hopping off the plane, both us laughing. Week before that, I was out in Italy. Retired hard throbs could not get rid of me. Up and down a telecrib, me and like ten hoes. Call from the cell phone, give me that Enzo. I know what you're I love, I love the crowd participation, man. We all here for the same goal, you know, just to have a good time, some good vibes. It's like wine um, levels go up and then participation goes up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, yeah, welcome to the epic conclusion of the podcast. Now we get into the real shit. This is where gotcha journalism comes in. <laughs> I'm totally joking. Um, but uh, now, nah, went like now it's kind of like the point where we really get into like the 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 wine and music section of the show. Like you know, just looking around, music is definitely a part of you guys' DNA. We talked about that um, in the interview. So can we talk a little bit about the space and how you saw this and how you wanted people to be inspired by both wine and music? I think Femi and I realized in a big way that music is like the perfect icebreaker because it's something that everybody everybody listens to music like not everyone drinks wine but like when people walk in and they're like oh Sergio Mendez like I listen to that or they're like oh De La Soul like whatever like it's it's such an easy way to get people to like let their defenses down just for a moment and then you can be like let's talk about this wine you never heard of before or like you want to spend $15 on a bottle of wine great I love that so do I drink this like it's a way to like kind of disarm people um, and again going back to Femi and I like saying that we wanted this to be our living room, and our living room is uh, 
it just it's literally music and wine. Like at my house, it's it's yeah. I'm cooking or I'm drinking wine, listening to music. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And that was always like the goal. And watching it kind of come into fruition has been has been really cool. Um, yeah, wine is a great accessory. You know, it's uh, it's beautiful. And I don't know, as a, as a sommelier, I'm okay with saying to me, to, to, saying to my friends that you know, wine is not the most important thing at the table. And there's a complete experience, and we kind of try to honor that at Graft, and we focus on the experience. And for us, a great part of the experience of meeting people and talking to people is sharing music. It's something everyone can participate in. It doesn't take a lot of money, right? You can talk about things you've experienced and how you associate those experiences with music. So to us, it was a great platform to, you know, to say, we want to serve wine, but we also recognize the fact that to serve wine, you need to create an experience for people that they can enjoy. And and going to music and being nostalgic and talking and having these conversations with people while we make them feel buzzed is kind of awesome. So that's what we do. So, so we, 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 I can't let you quite get out of that part. Because <laughs> we, we talked about your promoted days. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Like, the, what was that time in your life like? Um, you know, I was... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I was working at Charleston Grill. Miles was there, and um, you know, I wanted to kind of do more. I was already, um, I was involved in a few bands. I played. I used to play saxophone back in the day, and I used to sing, and I used to, you know, had my, I had a little hip hop group. And, we gonna uh, talk about that hip hop group. We gonna talk about, <laughs> we gonna talk we can about talk, that. We can talk about that for sure. And um, you know, and and I, and I wanted to do more because I wanted to see a lot of shows, and I would always look at you know, the touring schedules for, you know, these bands that I would read about or these acts and stuff. And, I, and I'd always, they'd always skip Charleston, but I would see, like, North Carolina, Georgia, and I'd always see, like, these gaps of, like, four or five days. And I was like, wait, what are they doing? All, every, all these acts have, like, four or five days between, like, North Carolina and Georgia. So I would just email all these people and say, like, hey, like, <laughs> what's with that gap? And if that gap needs to be filled, could I just, like, pay you to play in Charleston? You, gotta, you also got to think about, like, how forward-thinking this is, right? Because it's not like today we hit somebody up on Instagram. You got to find that email, find yeah. the right person, make sure yeah. they, they actually respond to you. Yeah. So that, that's, that's And a lot of times I would just, like, message people on, you know, MySpace, you know. Like, <laughs> you know and, and then I'd hear back. And, you know, it became kind of a very fun thing, and I... You know, I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, like I said, I was just always looking for people that I could get in town. I didn't want to spend a lot of money, so I was hoping to, you know, break artists at the same time. So I was looking for people that were under the radar. And Miles, you know, just had a particular talent <laughs> back in the day for also kind of being like, yo, this guy's dope. Check one. him out. It wasn't like, me. It was my dad. He yeah. was way cooler than and, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, his dad actually is... Uh, a, a cooler than he is? Oh. <laughs> cool, cooler than both of us combined. It's a low bar, but yeah, <laughs> substantially. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That's wild, man. So, like, what was the criteria like? So how did you know, how did you decide, like, who was dope and who wasn't? Oh, man. Um, I, I mean, I think we thought about that the same way we think about wine. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's good if it's good. It doesn't matter what genre or how it's made and who, who, where they're from or what they're doing. Like, yeah. Music's good. The music's good, um, and not to like, not to kind of dumb it down, but honestly, like, why aren't we? <laughs> like, it's if you like it, like it. If you want to put ice in your wine, put ice in your wine. Like, just there's things like that. I was just saying, like, music's the same way. Like, I people like, you know, shouldn't be a. We we're approaching music. My dad would read. He still gets Rolling Stone every month. He reads it cover to cover. Every album that's reviewed, he will buy. Wow. And he listens to it. He has like an hour commute every day, every single day. It's, 
And he would call me. He's like, you heard these guys? I'm like, no, I haven't heard of these guys. Yeah. And I go, Femi, check these guys out. Femi's like, nice, let's pick up. And I'd be like, yeah, it was me, it was my dad. <laughs> the, first, the first time, yeah, yeah, for sure. His dad has put me on to like a lot of people. His dad is. Femi's claim to fame was bringing Hotel California Ultimate Eagles tribute band <laughs> oh, yeah, to town. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Good. No, not at all. It's funny. So my, my pops was actually a big part of me getting into music. Like, yo, I got pictures with my dad like with the big white headphones on and I come from a Jamaican family so it's all DJing all the time like and that whole versus thing where people were going back and forth that started in Jamaica at a thing called um, Sting you know where artists would really battle each other back on stage performing their songs live so my uncles used to do this shit in the living room when I was growing up so that's where a lot of my musical influences came from. Like, tell me about you growing up with your dad, who was also a music head. What type of shit were you listening to? Uh, my dad's from Spartanburg, South Carolina. And he grew up in a... A lot of Biggie. Yeah. No. A lot of, of pop. Right near yeah, where Dennis is from. Uh, <laughs> no, and he grew up, his dad was worked for the textile industry, and my dad was kind of like typical 60s, like grow his hair out he played in a band when he was 18 that would play at the local strip club it was called the magic weed <laughs> and he was a drummer double entendre i still yeah. <laughs> i still think to this day that the only reason he went to law school was to avoid the vietnam war draft so it's the only reason and as soon as it was over he dropped out and started drumming again and i didn't think he hit his 30s and or his late 20s and he was like should probably go back to law school but um I, he listens to literally everything, and that's been such a game changer for me. From uh, there's not a musician he doesn't like, from jazz to country music to like hip hop to. I mean, he was turning he turned Femi on to Freddie Gibbs, which is which is crazy to think about. Um, yeah, his dad like is a nerd. He like reads like blogs and like is like on stuff before he, like other people know. Like, and he's like this. I, I walked to his dad's house. I was like, "What is this?" It was like years ago, and I was like, "He was like, oh, this new guy, Freddie Gibbs. You never heard of him?" I was like, "No." Like, and it, like his dad is really like a true <laughs> savant. He's a deep hip hop head. Wow. <laughs> he like, he'll like cook dinner and he'll put like Coleman Hawkins on, and you're just like, "This is some of the best jazz I've ever heard." And like, and there's no rhyme or reason. He just he goes through these waves, and he's like. Uh, you know, he just got out of his face of like the steel drivers and it's like that, you know, like Sturgill Simpson and like that kind of like newer like wave of country music. And it's like, then he'll be back into, he had a huge, huge little boozy kick and you're just like, why? <laughs> I'm not joking. Like they'll be, I get in his car yeah, and he'd be listening to a little boozy and it's this 70 year old lawyer who works in Goose yeah. Creek and. <laughs> <laughs> And will just destroy anyone on music. He's so like, oh, I, a I, challenge. I, he doesn't I, own a TV. <laughs> he just has a room with two with a really nice stereo, and then all albums. And all he does is turn the lights off. He drinks rum on the rocks and listens to music. So the the, the big question here is like, yo, where's your dad? Like, why is he not here right now? <laughs> I, I, because we don't need him to a, embarrass us. Yeah, <laughs> he would have bodied all of us in the verses. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, so like when I was growing up, it was. I, it was constantly being barraged with music and constantly being barraged with food, which, you know, in hindsight was one of the biggest blessings of my life, but um, nobody ever made it complicated. And I think kind of circling back to what Femi and I wanted to do, it was just like, you know, my mom would cook, my dad would put on music, we would all hang out. People would, everyone wanted to come hang out at our house because um, they'd probably drink too much and listen to music too loud. and. Everyone wanted to be a part of that. So it was like, we kind of 
kind of embrace that here. Um, if you guys are ever here in the evening this weekend, like it'll be dark and the music will be loud and people will probably be drinking too much. And it's <laughs> exactly how it's intended. When shit gets silly. Uh, <laughs> now, you know, this, this is where, you know, people can get a little tense. This is when shit gets real. So I got to ask y'all the million dollar question. Top five that are alive. Who is your favorite? Who is your, your list? Top five dead or alive rappers. Who you got? Oh my god. Uh, for me, um, no order. Either. No order. Okay, I ain't gonna cool. put that pressure Great. on you. That's fine. Uh, Nas, uh, Black Thought, uh, CL Smooth, uh, uh, Rakim, and uh, Biggie. Mm, mm. I'm, I'm impressed. Y'all can clap on that one, too. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, you know, I usually kind of pick one artist to kind of, like, get into the who, the what, the why. Yo, CL Smooth, man. Yeah. CL Smooth. If you guys don't know Pete Rock and CL Smooth, you go look him up. Um, I remember a, a big thing. I ran into CL Smooth at the corner store around the crib, around the um, corner from my house yeah. when I when they were out, and that yeah. was like the biggest thing in the world. Like people were talking about it for like weeks. Yo, CL yeah. Smooth was over here the yeah. other day. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so why CL Smooth? You know, man, a lot of people. I mean, I, I think CL Smooth and Pete Rock is like one of the great pairings of hip hop music. Mm. Um, and I think CL was such a talented rapper, and maybe it's one of the rare times where I think historically the producer overshadowed the rapper, yeah, yeah. right? And uh, I think that, like, when I hear CL today, I'm just like, man, this guy had such incredible mechanics, rhythm, just just control of the flow. And uh, I've always just loved it. When I circle back to his tracks, I'm like, man, we don't really give CL smooth, like, his flowers in terms mm -hmm. of just being like, man, this guy really set, I mean, like, you know, in terms of being an MC, move the crowd, someone who you could, like, stand on stage and just have interactive rhythms, you know, kind of like a drummer, you know. Like, yeah, I love Sia. I love to listen to him. It's like listening to a, a soloist. It's dope. Yeah. So um, tell me about Femi when he was deep in CL Smooth, <laughs> listening to him at yeah. that time. Like, who yeah. were you at that time? Um, you know, I think I got into, yeah, Pete Rock and CL in high school. It was kind of like, you know, I, I was going through my era of, like, um, like, you know, listening to producers. I got into, like, you know, JD, Slum Village. I got into Pete Rock and uh, got into, like, all these cats, man. So, like, you know, obviously I started listening to Pete Rock and CL. And just the whole combination of the two, the beats, the time, the, you know, the jazz, how it all kind of just all kind of mixed in together was to me. It was really really incredible. Mm, dope, man. All right, Miles, man, how about you, bro? Top five that it's are not, alive. It's not, f it's not fair. <laughs> uh, My top five changes, like, every day. Pitbull, <laughs> Pit Mike Jones. No, I'm joking. Um, I met him. They had some bangers. They did have some bangers. They had some bangers. I don't know. I, for me, it was like, <clears throat> I, go, I would go through phases, kind of like my dad, and um, I... I think one of the most important albums to me is Graduation by Kanye West. It was right when I went to college, and it was just come out, and I listen to it every day. Uh, yeah, that is, yeah. That is definitely his favorite album. Like, like Flashing Lights, I think, you is one of the best songs. To listen to. He's um, I had a big thing for Slick Rick. Like, I think a lot of... Uh, I don't know, I like the way that he told stories. and, and um, Nas, for sure, having met Femi, like, I think he's... I listen to infinitely more now than I ever did. Um, notorious. Uh, that's four. 
Um, human beatbox. Fat boys. <laughs> Ooh, fat boys. I love slept that. on, slept on, slept on. Fat boys were. I mean, I stumbled across my grandparents owned this movie, and it was called The Disorderlies, and it was this movie about the fat boys. Uh, and it was a movie about these guys that were like worked in this. It, you should go watch it. It's amazing. I can't, <laughs> there's no way I can do it. And then I got into the Fat Boys, and I was like, oh, yeah. these guys are great. And the Human Beatbox was like, they were a little ahead of their time. But, man, we play it often here, and uh, people were like, really? The Fat Boys yeah. were like like some of like hip-hop's like first superstars. Like They were one of the first rap groups to like have a movie deal. Like, yeah. you know, They really yeah. did the crossover thing. Yeah. Like, they were in a yeah. couple movies. Yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah. They, they, really did, they really did the crossover thing. Um, all right, so that said, like... Wait, wait, let me ask you. What are yours? Oh, my <laughs> shit. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> all right, well... Hey, you yeah. the I know, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. All right, yeah. so top five, immediately, big, Jay-Z, Nas. Have to, you know, I think that... Well, not um, about leaving out Jay-Z. I feel like I should... Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's hard, man. It's, it's, it's the five, to, to knock down to five is so limiting because there's... Like at least ten that you can't not have in your top five. So and there's more and more rappers like all the time. So it, it's you know, always disrespectful. Yeah, yeah, no, it, yeah. It, it's cool for it to change. Yeah. But yeah, like for me, it's just Biggie, Jay Z, Nas. My top five is always going to need to have those three. I think that um, Big's like dexterity and his lyrics is just so underrated. Like no one really talks about what he's able to do with words. Um, he had a short-lived career, uh, but still is someone that, you know, is represented in our culture of music today, responsible for the Jesus Peace chain, which is arguably the most important chain in hip hop. Um, so it's just dope that someone like Biggie can still resonate with today's audience albums. with yeah. just two albums, <laughs> you know. Um, Big Jay-Z Nas, I mean, Nas is like a fine wine. He's like actually getting better. Yeah. Which is scary. Yeah. Um, who's also scary. very into my y'all can clap on that. Scary. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shout to Nas. Yeah. Um, who's also really into wine and um, talking about great stuff. Uh, so definitely gotta choose Nas. And you know, Jay-Z, it's Jay-Z, right? He's been like the Michael Jordan of rap forever. Like his name is synonymous with greatness. Um, and then, you know, for the last two, it always gets a little sticky. Um, there's artists that flow in and out of there. I can't not say Eminem. Eminem, yeah. We got another Eminem fan in the building. Yep. We got some yep. Eminem fans in the building. Yep. Gotta yep. be Eminem. And like, I always talk about Eminem because if a rapper, if there was like a rap report card yeah. of like the different attributes of like rap, like flow, um, vocabulary, right. uh, you know, content, creativity, yeah. Like Eminem, what the fuck, man? He'd get a, 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 plus, a plus on all everything. The way, all the way. Right? So it's, yeah. it's tough. But don't get me wrong, I don't think he's the best rapper of all time because he maybe doesn't resonate with me the most. But yeah. at the end of the day, that guy's skill is yeah. like unquestioned. Yeah, yeah. You, can't, you can't hate Even on him. like old stuff, like totally. the Infinite album is like. I mean, <laughs> it's just insane. Yeah. He had a little yeah. period where he was yeah. doing some experimental stuff. Yeah. But you know, we yeah. all went to college, yeah. right? You know what I'm saying? We've been through shit. Yeah. Um, so there's M, and then um, last I gotta say Ice Cube. Yeah, Ice Cube definitely. Um, because when you think about Ice Cube, he's responsible for gangster rap. You know the he wrote most of the lyrics for N.W.A. 
And, you know, don't get me wrong, they weren't the first gangster rappers ever, but they were definitely, like, the third or second, maybe. Um, and Ice Cube was writing all of that, you know? So I think that he deserves a lot more respect than he gets for um, being a godfather of gangster rap. And then when you think about all the different areas that it has just gone into, um, and then also not just saying, like, wild shit, but it was intentional. It was thoughtful, thought-provoking. Um, so Ice Cube also, he, he rounds it out. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's, that's pretty consistent for my five. But yes, great, great question, guys. What's next on the podcast? <laughs> 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 no, but nah, man, I really feel like um, we were talking a little bit about how wine and music connect people. Like, if, um, if you had to pick a connection between wine and music, what would you say those similarities are? I don't know. I mean, like, going back to what Femi said, I think of, like, as wine and music, maybe you can make both of them the focal point of whatever you're doing, but it's better if, if you know, if the vehicle is a good time, like, those are both the gasoline, you know, and, like, when you sit down and try to, like, get people to geek out on music, there's always going to be someone who isn't into it, and, like, wine's the same way. Like, if Femi and I get the most allocated wine in the country, and if we post a picture of it on Instagram, everyone's gonna be like, well, I don't care. Like, what? There'll be a, there will be people that are like, this is sweet, where'd you get this? And then they will ne you'll never see them and they'll never come by it. And, um, and I don't know, like I, I've had the most amazing experiences with music and wine when it's, I'm not, it's not the intention is, you know, like it was one of the greatest wine memories I have is I was on a roof in like St. Augustine drinking Chenin Blanc out of a solo cup. And it was like, this is one of the best wines I've ever had. And I think music's kind of the same way. Like, in concerts are amazing, and, and, but, like, some of the albums that mean most to me were the ones when I were listening to them when they weren't, hey, let's sit down and listen to this album. It's like, no, we're going to listen to this tonight. It's like every night in here. It's like no one's sitting down and listening to the music, but the music's always good. And I don't know if that answers the question at all, but... It does. <laughs> I think, like, you know, if you treat it as something that's to be enjoyed, yeah. enjoy it. Don't, yeah. like, focus on it. Just yeah. enjoy it. Definitely, man. Like, how, how would you describe your connection to music? I think, you know, for me, uh, music is like one of my love languages. It's one of the ways I kind of communicate with people. Sometimes I don't necessarily have the words of, you know, of how I want to express myself and such. And for me, oftentimes, music has always been a way to kind of calibrate the way I feel. And maybe giving a gift of music to me has always been uh, a way of showing someone, like, you know, you mean a lot to me or, you know, whatever you want to kind of communicate. Even if you just kind of want to, you know, uh, tell a joke, you can give someone a funny record, you know. <laughs> uh, we, we've got one of those up there. We'll have to pull one down. There's some goofy-ass record up there that i got to show you guys <laughs> um, that a friend gave us. And um, just the conversation around music to me is, is amazing. You, you know, you can talk to people about how you listen to this album every day your junior year of high school because, you know, going home sucked and you just needed to amp yourself up when you got out of, out of school, you know, and like that to you, that record to you just kind of represents a time and a feeling. The second you put it on, you get goosebumps because it takes you back. Like music to me is just amazing. And wine to me is also very similar in the way that when you enjoy wine, like Miles said, you remember that experience. So if you can somehow, you know, kind of combine the, you know, the, the, the sentiment you kind of feel when you have an amazing wine, a good time with good people, and then you add on that a little bit of that sentiment you feel from a great record, you can do the most amazing things. And that's what we kind of focus on. And that's why I think music and wine together are 
it's Thanos. You know, young Thanos type <laughs> shit. <laughs> you snap your fingers and that's it. <laughs> um, like, the way that I pair wine and music is um, basically by the vibes. You know, do, do the vibes of the wine fit the vibe of the music? Do I want to drink this wine in the setting that would be optimal for this song? You know, like, you don't want to drink milk on a 90-degree yeah. day. You know, like, yeah. does it fit? Does yeah. it fit what, yeah. the, what the setting is? So, you know, that said, you know, I like uh, to ask people, like, what's your, like, desert island situation? Like, where, what's the perfect situation for you? Where would you be, and what would you be drinking? All right, I've been first the entire time. So I'm like, <laughs> he's thinking about this right now. So he's always I'm going to say this. Let's go. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start. How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I'll start, yeah. right? I got to think about it. <laughs> yeah. so. I know him. He's always like, oh, he said that? What an idiot. I'm doing this now. Um, so We've known me, each other too long. It's, it's bad. <laughs> um, so for me, I like to... Um, I like to go on vacation when I can. I haven't been in a little while, but I like to go on vacation when I can. And um, on vacation, I like to just sit in the same spot. I don't, I'm not a, you know, I don't go out. I don't do the excursions and yeah. nah. I just sit in a spot, look at the sunset and chill. You know, I'm maybe on the lap, whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, I went with the uh, Dofrio Albarino because, you know, Albarino is just like, nice citrus tropical fruits i want to chill on vacation and relax and drink this wine um you know and it fits a couple different settings i was recently at a friend's um a friend's uh 40th birthday party in the dominican republic they had like this beautiful beautiful um private resort like shit was insane and um we would hang out in this living room and vibe to dope music, and so this wine would have fit perfectly in there. Um, and, you know, for that, I went with Seeing Green by Nicki Minaj, Lil Wayne, and Drake, um, because I think that the, and we'll play that song, um, I, I just think that it's very intentional. Like, this is something that you want to sit down and have time to process, because there's so much complex lyricism in there. Like, they're using ridiculous metaphors that are double entendres and triple entendres, like metaphors on metaphors. So I just think that um, I love that song and that's the sort of thing, like you can sit down and say like, yo, listen to this shit. And you can listen and you can sit for the yeah. entire time and you'll yeah. can completely be impressed. Wow. Um, so you, I, that is what I like to do on vacation. Um, it's, and not then, a, it's not a run the jewels type one. <laughs> nah, 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 being nah. Like, Let's go. <laughs> well, it depends. Start a riot. See, that's the whole shit though with the wine and music comparison. What I'm saying like, is like that when I when I think about sitting on vacation, I don't want to listen to like. I mean, that gets me amped up. So like, I want to I want to like relax. Yeah. I mean, yo, Killer Mike says some shit though. He's, oh no, no, I'm just saying like the vibe is like punch me in the it's, face. It's like, gonna work let's out. Go. Yeah. That's miles at 4 a.m. Running jewels. <laughs> and then, um, you know, we went with the Marengo Barolo. And, like, when you think about Italy, it's the, I, I think it's the king of Italian wine. Many people think of, it, it, think of Barolo as the king of Italian wine. Um, but at the same time, so this producer actually, Femi put me on, this producer is like super slept on, nobody really knows about, but at the same time, it's Barolo. Like, you're gonna pick, you're gonna buy it, right? So, <laughs> that said, I went with, um, you know, the king of what he does, and, and many, like, people think he's the king of 
production, the king of the West Coast. At the end of the day, he's a king of our industry. So I went with um, ETA by Dr. Dre. Now, when you think about Dr. Dre, you think about like his 92 shit, like early stuff. ETA is a um, less known song, it's newer, but it is absolutely fire. Like, um, just to talk about it a little bit, the beat is sick. Dr. Dre doesn't really work with samples a lot, and when so when he does, like, but he samples also really got him into music, older soul music. So when Dr. Dre uses samples, expect a masterpiece, just like you would expect with Barolo. But at the same time, um, this song also has Snoop Dogg, Busta Rhymes, and Addison Pack, who all fucking killed it, <laughs> like did an amazing job. So, um, like, look at early Snoop. Snoop hasn't rapped like this since the early 90s, and I like the fact that he's back rapping, owns Death Row now, so shout to him. Um, but that was why I selected these wines. You'll hear the songs last, but I wanted to give my brothers a little time to figure out their pairing. So, <laughs> now we're gonna hear bust the bus. <laughs> Through the weed smoke trees where my seeds grow Let them try to press, get shot like a freak uh, Niggas won't beef till they get their fucking teeth broke I just want peace, they don't want me to be peaceful You know I'm a king, look at how my Cuban link glow Go medallion flow, only second to the now Girls going wild like them broads up in college Looking at my child do the same thing that I did Nigga, where was you in the 80s? Reganomics, we so crack the mothers and they babies I am the star in any room that I stand in I am the standout, you just my stand-in These bitches copy my homework, that's what they hand in That's why I'm private like the airports I land in Life is a beach house, don't let the sand in I ball in any arena, go let the fans in I should go cop a New Jersey, that's where the Camden These bitches time tick-tocking, better stick to Dancing. This is so, Desert Island. Desert Island, wherever you want to be. Wherever you want to be. Perfect situation. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you drinking? I mean, I don't know. I'm the exact opposite of you. When I <laughs> travel, it's like, I want to wake up early. I want to go do all the things during the day. Drink all night. Stay up way too late. <laughs> and then by day five, I'm like, somebody take me home. <laughs> uh, and again, I get that from my father, who will, you know, we, he'll still go bike 60 miles, and then we'll drink a bunch of wine together, and then we'll when we're on vacation, we'll do it again. So I don't know. We, I think, man, I could, I would love to go back to Mallorca on a bicycle, not climbing, but on the descent, going like 40 kilometers an hour. And I think Flashing Lights by Kanye West is one of my favorite songs of all time. And I'll be listening to that, going back to that album. And then the beer would be waiting at the bottom. Not one. <laughs> Can't sleep on a beer. No. Don't hate. Not on vacation. <laughs> I Femi. Cool. Absolutely. Uh, now, this is a good question. I think, actually, I've been thinking about this, uh, uh, now this scenario, I think, for a little while. And um, in a few weeks, it's very, uh, <clears throat> it's very possible that Miles and I are going to be going out to Nigeria for a few days. So. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Not, not for sure. Yeah, we're working on a couple things out, but you know, there's a good chance that, we're, that the two of us are going to go out there together, and I think it's going to be wild. I'm, I was born in Nigeria, for a lot of you that don't know that. And um, so to me, uh, you know, it's, it's always been, you know, my life, I don't know, merging, you know, a lot of cultures together, just being, you know, an, an immigrant. And uh, so I think immediately of uh, uh, 
Common on his album Like Water for Chocolate, he did a track called uh, The Heat, and it was produced by Jay Dilla, JD, rest in peace, one of the great producers of hip hop. And he sampled Tony Allen, who was uh, the drummer for a very famous uh, Nigerian artist uh, named Fela Kuti. And so, I'm gonna clap yeah, for that one. So, Fela and Tony Allen, Fela and Tony Allen really kind of created this amazing style of music called Afrobeat. I hope you've heard Afrobeat before because my life is really Afrobeat outside of hip hop. And um, so, uh, I think it's a song called Asiko that he sampled for The Heat. And it's just like, if you ever hear the Tony Allen track, it's just incredible polyrhythm, like just drumming. It's, he's, he was a treasure. To, he passed away, I think, last year. Um, but he was just a, a delight to, to hear his drumming and his style. And um, so uh, JD sampled this, uh, you know, this drumming and this uh, music on this track. And Common, one of my favorite rappers, just, mm. oh, man. You ain't, gonna, you ain't gonna miss on the common track. You ain't gonna miss yeah, on the common track. For sure, yeah. See, I put these brothers on the spot. Yeah. I, I'm gonna put a couple people in the room on the spot. If y'all y'all cool with that? Yeah. Can I put a few people in the room on the spot? Yeah. Yep. Great. So, who would like to give a pairing for something that you've drank today? Like, it doesn't, now after hearing how we're um, figuring out what we're pairing, I'm gonna just ask somebody to, to you know, be a team player. And, um, and, uh, and give us a, a pairing for something that you've had today. Now, mind you, you don't got to go wild deep with it. It's just, you know, what inspired you? What song does it make you think of? So you want to go. You got a song. You got a song. She was ready. All right, so, so who's in there? Jay, you guys on there. Come on. You've been in the corners. Yeah, that's cool. What, are you looking at your phone? Come on. All right, so I'm going the Marengo, then Viola. I can't really call a song, but I'm calling MC. I'll call Marengo, because it's kind of like Roller King Daddy and Jay-Z. Woo, okay. Jay-Z for the Marengo. I, I'm in agreement with you 100%. Let's do one more pairing. Who else do we got? Okay, all right. Let's state your name, please. You know, just let everybody get to know you. So I would go with the Rosé. I'm going to go with DMX. Good girls, bad Mm, a, a sleeper, a sleeper. <laughs> I like you. Okay. Now, good girls, bad guys. I'm going to ask why you picked that song also. <laughs> Do you like bad guys? <laughs> I ain't say you a good girl either. So, you know. I, ain't, I ain't say that. Because <laughs> it's like the dichotomy, right? Like, mm. it's, it's kind of a sleeper. Like, it, it's delicious, but you don't expect that. Rosé is a sleeper. Definitely. All right. I love it, man. Like, see, everybody had, like, for, for the wine and music pairing stuff, like, I just think about, like, yo, when you, when you take a sip of this, what's the first song that hits you? Where do you want to be when you're drinking it? You know, it's, a finding, it's finding a way to connect a memory with the wine. You know, it, it's active learning almost. Like, if you connect with it, you're now going to start to learn a little bit more about it. You'll at least... Dig into the varietal, you know, if you if you drink something from a particular area and it thrives in that area, drink more wine from that area. You probably <laughs> like it. So um, that that's what we do here on wine and hip hop. So I'm gonna um uh, we'll we'll close out, but you guys um, for the for the people at home, can y'all like say how people should find y'all? Uh, yeah, you can find us seven days a week at Graf Wine Shop. Bing bong. 700 King Street. Yes, sir. Charleston. <laughs> <laughs> Dope. 
So I'm going to get into my joint, man. I told y'all about it, and this is what I like to do on vacation. So we all on vacation together. I'm going to play this um, Nicki Minaj scene green, man. Like, it's an amazing song. It just feels like every one of them are, like, it's Nicki Minaj, Drake, and um, Nicki Minaj, Drake, and Lil Wayne. So, like, they're all amazing MCs, and I ain't gonna lie to you, I didn't rate Nicki Minaj as a lyricist until this song, but she absolutely killed it. So, feel free, listen to it, be intentional, chill vibe, be on vacation. Second song I'm play is ETA by Dr. Dre, Snoop, Addison Pack, and Busta Rhymes. Also, really listen to it, get into it, and enjoy. This was a moment in wine and hip-hop, brought to you by Crew Love.